Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow joining you just before midnight on December 27th. I think today is Monday, but this holiday season is really throwing me off. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I feel like we're on a little bit of a roll here with the Mavericks, and I, maybe that's helping our spirits a bit in this holiday season. I agree. So <laughs> we didn't really announce the Mavericks score. They just beat the pants off the yeah. Blazers, 132 to 117. It's only their second win in their last six. And yet there's been a lot of things that we can take away from these. You know, they, they lost to the Jazz. They lost to the Bucks, but they played both those teams real well, despite limited options. And I've come out of those games with kind of a renewed sense of entertainment, I don't know what to take away. Like, this is probably the first game where I I, I wrote a lot about I almost wrote a thousand words because I had a lot of things that I wanted to say in the in the recap. And it was mainly because the game was just it was it was fun. Um, there were a few things I think which are really translatable towards um a longer uh a longer term um outlook for the Mavericks because they had, you know, Porzingis, they had Brunson, they had Dorian Finney-Smith who was sick on the Christmas game. And it's just that there was enough interesting things coming together at the right time to where I, I really, I'm, I'm looking forward. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens if they can reincorporate some of the starters or, you know, as you seem to be hung up on in a really <laughs> hilarious way, like not reincorporating the starters and doing something different. Yeah. I mean, that's my, uh, you know, I know that's my unreasonable, like that's more of an unreasonable, irrational take, but uh, I, I'm just, I like watching something different. Um, I think at the very least, just seeing something different that's not what we've been watching for the, the past three years has some value. And again, I'm not talking basketball on court value. I'm talking about, you know, selfishly our entertainment value. Mm-hmm. I think there's just a baseline increase in just seeing something different, even if it's worse. Like, I'd rather just see something different. I mean, me and you have joked a uh, hundred times that we just want to yell at somebody different <laughs> uh, instead of the same guys we've been yelling at for about, about for three years. So there's that. And then the funny part about it is, is it feels like the basketball product has been better. Um, I don't know if that's a, just a, a confluence of all the other teams also are going through huge COVID struggles right now. So all the teams are kind of going through the same stuff with, with major rotation pieces and starters missing games. Uh, but the Jazz were relatively unaffected by this, and the Mavericks almost beat them in Utah. And the Bucks were missing Giannis, but they still had you know Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Um and they played that team all the way down the wire, and they beat a Timberwolves team that had Carl Anthony Towns and had D'Angelo Russell, even though they were missing, you know, Anthony Edwards. So it's it's kind of weird. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how much of this is just us having fun because it's seeing new people, uh, which is what we've been screaming for for you know the last three years now, or if there's something to these new, pe- you know, the new faces and the new lineups and the new rotations. Uh, or if it's just kind of it's if it's just going to be white noise when when all these teams get back to full strength, you got to imagine the NBA will probably get through this this outbreak by you know the end of January or so uh, in terms of getting all these people that are out back onto the team. So I, I don't know because does it just go away when all these guys come back and, and we're back to arguing about the same problems the Mavericks have always had, or is anything here tangible? Well, I'm not really sure, and I don't want to read too much into things because 
sorry, my wife is breaking a box down in the background. Um, I don't want to read too much into some of the, like, like Jason Kidd can't help but have a shitty post-game quote. Um, <laughs> like he just now said, even in the losses, you can see this team is different, right? The ball moves, we're competing, we're playing for one another. It's not my turn, your turn. And I'm just like, <sighs> I was like that just in the mid podcast sort of took the wind out of my sails. Cause it's just like, what are you trying to say here, bub? Like uh, whatever. Okay. We're going to have to circle back on that sort of thing later, but the, the team <laughs> at the moment, like the, there was just a lot of things that I, that I, uh, I really enjoyed and I'm not sure where I want to start. You know, I think I would like to hear you riff a little bit on some of the offensive stuff that, that you're watching and, and really, I mean, a little bit of what kid is talking about where he's talking about moving the ball, but I'm not really sure what to make of it because I don't really see how you install more complicated stuff. And I had a little discussion with one of, one of our uh, friends and followers about this. Like you're not necessarily installing more stuff with like half the rotation out or unless the Mavericks really are, planning on moving on from half these guys right like the, the yeah. offense looks better but it like i don't understand why uh yeah i mean it's pretty crazy i mean what uh one two three four five mavericks had at least five assists or more mm. um the ball is definitely moving in a way that it wasn't before and yeah obviously luca being out means that there's gonna have to be some you know some greater than the you know the the parts greater than the sum uh, kind of distribute distribution of ball handling duties because, you know, Jalen Brunson is not someone that you could just give the ball to and, and give him a 40% usage rate. Like Luca, like Luca is just so much of the offense that when he's gone, it's not like you can just do that with the guys remaining. You just have to change things up. Um, and, and some of it is just like, I feel like they're just doing stuff better and i don't know if it's a coincidence that it's without luca i I don't want to go too far into that but i mean i saw in the first half some really nice half court possessions where the mavericks were uh doing like some really nice dribble handoff stuff with small smalls like like dorian doing dribble handoffs to brunson and getting guys downhill and get and getting them to the rim without relying on kind of just a standard pull it back isolation high high screen roll like it felt like the Mavericks were doing some of the stuff that we'd seen this offense do the previous two seasons. Um, and then of course we saw some of the, you know, the kid influence stuff because Kristaps had a ton of post-ups, but I mean, they worked in the sense that, um, you know, he passed out of them very well. I mean, he mm. posted up a ton tonight and he only had zero turnovers. Um, yeah. He had some really breathtakingly cool passes. Like, the, yeah. the, like kind of like, like there was one in the first half that was like him using all seven foot three and all of his reach mm-hmm just like sort of it was like a finger roll pass to Dwight that resulted in an and one that was just it was like cool it was cool basketball that that we've not seen a ton of this year because it's just been such a grind and and you know we've not even really it's we probably should have talked about this earlier but we've not even begun to touch on the offensive stuff that we saw out of um green who came back Josh green who came back from the covid protocols and you know him him going into the COVID protocols really sucked because he had just sort of hit a, um, he was playing well. He wasn't playing fantastic, but he was contributing. And then tonight he played what could reasonably be considered his best game as a Dallas Maverick. Oh yeah. But I don't even think it's close. I don't even think it's close. Nine points, 10 assists, two steals, four rebounds, one turnover. Um, I, I think that's the thing with green. The passing has kind of been the thing we've kind of, 
latched onto the last couple of seasons, maybe you know, even a little I mean, bit. He too tries much wild because... shit. Like yeah, he, he Luke, does. like it's him and Luca who try shit stuff like this. Yeah. Um I think what really kind of took my breath away watching Josh Green tonight is just I don't see I legitimately don't know if anyone else on this roster can make some of the passes he made outside of Luca. And I think that's both a a compliment of Green and his ability as a as a very young player to have that in his bag already, you know, especially for the type of player he is. Like he's you know, he's a three and D wing. Like there's no reason why he should be making some of the passes he's making. So that's like really cool and good on him for, for having that it feels like almost like a natural instinct and ability that he's you know he seems to have. On the other hand, it's kind of crazy that it's that it's him. Like you know, he's he's the guy after Luca that can do this. But I think this Mavericks roster will take it where you can get it. And what really stood out to me when he was, I think he got inserted uh, really early into the game in the second half. I mean, he was into the game I think like two or three minutes into the third quarter, which is an early sub for Jason Kidd and the coaching staff. And I think you know the Mavericks and uh, broadcasters noted this. I think Portland scored a couple of layups. Uh, really easy layups uh, in the opening of the second half. And I'm sure the coaching staff was like, all right, let's get a defensive guy in there. Let's get green in there. Um, and funny enough, you know, I mean, he helped defensively, but what I noticed with him playing with like Kristaps and playing with Brunson and playing with Dorian and playing with Powell, you know, playing with the, you know, a lot of those guys, even with all the COVID stuff, you know, those are starters or, you know, the top six of your rotation guys, and the way Green fit in and was moving the ball was really impressive. And it kind of highlighted how little they are getting out of Reggie Bullock and, and to a degree, Tim Hardaway Jr. And just how static the the rotations and the lineups feel with those guys. And Well, we're back. We had a brief uh, technology blip and we're here. But sometimes things just work out that way. So we had been talking about Josh Green's passing, which was really fun and a element that the Mavericks offense sort of seems to have um, required because Jalen Brunson's a good passer, but he's also it's just a different form of playmaking because Brunson's game is very ground bound. And the cool stuff that he does, it's nice to have optionality. So if you have a guy like green who's able to make some of these you know the occasional nifty pass like 10 assists is just bananas but the the way you know the way it happened tonight just all came together at a great time yeah and i think it it, it was just a standout difference to what they've been getting from reggie bullock and tim hardaway jr who do not (laughs) do not pass the ball up uh to that degree and i mean to be honest how often are we seeing them you know attack a closeout and getting to the rim i mean Green did that a few times where he just kind of got a pass uh, outside the three-point line and and drove hard, you know, past the defender and then did something from there. I mean, I don't know if I've seen Bullock do that more than a couple times, you know, this season, let alone in a game. And, you know, Tim is much more likely to kind of stop after a dribble or two and take a pull-up too than he is to continue all the way to the basket. So to have – something like that from you know your non-point guard uh, whether it's Brunson or Luca, like you said it just it just made it feel like a completely different team out there and to be honest that's you know if Green can give them some facsimile of this tonight you know obviously the Trailblazers dog water defense uh, helped a lot for a lot of these offensive numbers for the Mavericks but like man if if Reggie Bullock is going to go out there and shoot 130 percent from three and his defense isn't making you know, a noticeable impact. I mean, it helps. And the Mavericks are a better defensive team this season than last season. But, like, man, 
Like, wouldn't you rather just see Josh Green, you know, try to replicate this instead of kind of watching these veterans that are just not performing up to their standard over and over again? I would. I would. And I think these are the sorts of things where, you know, trying to give Kid a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. This is the sort of thing that I think he's been referencing long term, where it's just like you don't necessarily want guys standing in the corner and shooting. You know, a lot of what Dorian and and um, Green tonight did just over the last several weeks, what we've seen from Dorian is like the, just committing to the baseline drive and doing something with the ball. You know, it's not always going to work out, but the way the threes weren't falling, it's nice to see them get the, like I would bet in the last five or six games, their their shot quality, the, the sort of close attempts that we've been hoping for are up. I mean, I can't, I can't, um, you know, uh, speak to that totally because I'm not looking at it, but like just tonight alone, there were so many great looks at the rim. And obviously the the Portland defense is, you know, might be one of the worst I've seen in a professional setting. Just they were <laughs> like once once Porzingis hit threes, everything was off. Um, and that's sort of the next thing I wanted to pivot to, at least for a second, was this was one of this is probably the best offensive performance Porzingis has had this year I think in terms of all-around game he was three of seven from three got to the line nine times 34 points which was both a season high for him and really a season high for any Maverick which is pretty wild if you think about it um but it was it was nice to see because like I I've kind of you know I waffle on Porzingis all the time I felt that the Porzingis talk particularly from people like within the Mavs organization has been a bit off base where it's like kind of disregarding how good he was two years ago but tonight he played such a complete game defensively he you know he had two steals and two blocks like like stocks as the nerdy basketball guys love to call it like our great indicator of a guy's defensive impact and he just he mattered and it was the game for him to matter because Portland had nobody that could do anything to him yeah this game felt an awful lot like uh the Przingis we saw his first season in Dallas after Dwight Powell went down and they played him at the five full-time and the bubble Przingis, uh, I mean, we've seen Przingis since that first season have some 30-point games, but this just kind of felt different in the sense that he was kind of doing a little bit of everything. He wasn't just, you know, we saw some games last year, like against the Spurs, and I mean, even a game against the Spurs this year, where he's had big scoring nights because he's just been really good at being big and rolling and using his length and athleticism and finishing around the basket and he did that tonight, but he mixed in everything. I mean, he was sure. he was posting up well. He was passing well out of the post-ups. He finally hit three-pointers, which he hasn't done in like eight years, it feels like. <laughs> uh, he was taking guys off the dribble and hitting pull-up twos. Uh, I mean, he was really like, I mean, he was hitting almost every single type of shot tonight, which is what you, you know, when you trade for a guy that you think can be an all-star and you pay him a max contract, that's kind of what you expect out of out of that kind of player, like a, a three level scorer that can, that can pass a little bit, you know, just raise the level uh, of your teammates play just by being on the floor. And it, it, it didn't feel like, you know, he was getting spoon fed open looks, although that helped, like he got nine free throw attempts, which was great. You know, he was just, he looked really good off the bounce. Like he did everything, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, he didn't score, you know, 10 layups because he was rolling to the rim hard and, and Portland didn't have anyone guard him. Like he did that a couple times. That was nice. But like the fact that he was able to do that and also, you know, drive hard to the basket and get fouled and make his three pointers, which he hasn't done in, in forever and do some cool, you know, off the dribble, 
you know, two points, two point shot making that wasn't just, you know, getting spoon fed a layup, like legitimately creating, you know, good looks on his own, which he just doesn't do all that often. Uh, I, that's what, that was the difference to me. And, and compared to maybe some of his past 30 point games, like he really did feel like, you know, the, the KP from that first season after he kind of got his bearings and, and started playing the five a bit more like toward down the end of that first season. Uh, well, that's what he reminded me of tonight. It's not going to happen, but I think my favorite segment of the game is something that I hope he watches on film was when for some reason, kid went with Boban for a while there and <laughs> it was, and, and, and Porzingis kept driving and finding Boban in his fucking way. And if, you know, Kevin O'Connor wrote in the ringer today that like when Luke and Porzingis play together this year, Porzingis has a really maddening tendency to just drift into post-ups for no reason. And it was like very much like a Spider-Man versus Spider-Man thing where it's like, okay, this is really fun. And so obviously it's not actually going to, you know, I, I doubt they'll cover it at all any film stuff but it just really made me laugh after reading that today um i'm trying to think because it's like this is just the sort of win where i really want to take it for what it is oh you know i during our our brief technological snafu um uh chuck cooperstein noted that this was the highest assist game for the mavericks in a uh regulation game since 2014 which is really something (laughs) they had uh, 38 assists in this game and in that game in 2014 they had 39 they do had they had at least one game with 39 assists and so it's like the the ball movement so 39 or 38 assists on 48 made shots like that's pretty wild in the nba i mean what is the percentage of that um that's 79.2 percent of their their field goal attempts or field goal makes were assisted which that just doesn't <laughs> happen in the nba so that was really cool it's really cool yeah yeah, it was really cool. Um, it felt like everyone that played kind of had a moment, which was nice. Um, mm. Even Charlie Brown. My, my even wife commented on it. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was fun. Uh, you know, even Brandon Knight got the score 18 points in, in, a, in an NBA game in 2021, which was really mm. cool for him, I'm sure. Um, yeah, you make a good point. You know, the ball movement. You know, we've kind of talked about all that, that a lot. Um what about the defense? Was there anything done on um was there anything done on Damian Lillard that you felt uh, was of consequence because I was not watching the defense as closely once things got out of hand and I felt like I felt like that that Frank Nilakina and and then to a lesser degree but still some Josh Green that they, they played played him pretty well, I think. Was am I off key there? No, no, they did. They did play them pretty well. Uh, I mean, Dame was five of fifteen from the floor. Norman Powell was three of twelve, and Lillard mm. has been struggling. So, like, maybe that five of fifteen doesn't stand out as much because I think he's had a really down year. But Powell has been playing really well for them and shooting really well. So, for him to have a bad shooting night, I think that was pretty noticeable. I think with the Mavericks, what you're seeing, you know, a lot of people are, you know associating Luca's absence with the de- the defensive improvements we've seen in like the last four or five games. And that's obviously part of it. You know, Luca has just not been a, a, a quality defender. He has not been a plus on that side of the ball this season, but really I think another huge part of it. And Luca is kind of like, is kind of like sucking up all the oxygen in the room because I mean, he's, he's, he's Luca. Uh, but really like Tim Hardaway Jr. being out, uh, I think it's just as much, if not a bigger 
culprit of the the defensive turnaround here. And I mean, we've talked about it for years. And I know that there's some smart basketball people that say he's improved as a defender. And and in certain ways, I think he has. Maybe he's a little bit better in one-on-one situations. He definitely takes more charges than he did before. But good lord, he's one of the he's one of the worst off-ball defenders I've ever seen. Uh, and he's been that way since he's been a Maverick too. Like that's not just something he did in his previous career. And I think just having guy, you know, not having him on the floor and not having Luca on the floor. I mean, you're taking away two of the guys that kind of just blow defensive possessions with their lack of defensive awareness. You're replacing it with guys like Josh Green, more, you know, more minutes for Dorian, more minutes for Frank, uh, more minutes for Sterling Brown. Like those guys aren't all NBA defenders, but they're also. I'll give enough credit that they're not the type of guys that are going to consistently just lose their man over the course of a 24-second shot clock possession, you know? So uh, I think that if the defense has been better, you know, just less – the Mavericks' worst defenders are, are not playing right now, and that, I think that helps. And the players they're replacing them with are, are young or hungry guys that aren't guaranteed rotation minutes when these, this thing goes back to normal. Uh, whenever that is, and and they're they're playing their asses off, and and it also helps that they're a little bit more athletic. Like you know, you know, Frank Frank is a pretty athletic guard, and and you know some of these you know Green is obviously you know a much better athlete than most of the Mavericks regular rotation. You know some of these other guys like Penson, although they didn't really play that much tonight, and Chris, like they're just more athletic and they're bouncier. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's scheme. I don't know if this like schematically. I don't know if anything's really changed lately. I just think they have they they just don't have their two worst defensive players playing you know 30 35 minutes a night each well which leads us to probably the last thing we should close off on is that with the combination of the fact that a lot of Dallas Mavericks have been in the COVID protocol for quite some time uh, along with the fact that the CDC's recent regulation suggestion changes which the NBA has been following almost like to a T in terms of like quarantining and removing people from situations. Um, it's reasonable to start expecting the Dallas Mavericks to start coming back to their more rotation. The, the guys that we've seen for most of the season, uh, Reggie Bullock is going to be joining the team in Sacramento where they play two games. Um, and I think we're going to start to see other guys too. I have a, I just have a feeling we're not going to see Luca until the new year. I don't know why. <laughs> um, my joke is that I don't think he wants to spend New Year's Eve in Sacramento, but like I'm not a moron. <laughs> that that's a 3 p.m. game in Sacramento. Like I'm sure if anybody wanted to go somewhere, they'll like get on a plane and go. Like it's not like yeah. it's an early enough game. I just something tells me that we might not see these guys until they're back from. I mean, it's a five game road trip. You know, like they, they finished the, the, the road trip in Oklahoma right after the new year. And so I just I just get that sense. Now, I'm, I could be wrong, but the bottom line is, is some of these new things we've been getting used to are about to get overturned again, where I think the hardship players are going to be moving on and we'll be back to the guys that are on the roster. Yeah, it's coming up soon. I mean, if Bullock is back, you know, Green was in protocols and so is Bullock. If if those two guys are back, you know, Luca and THJ and Maxi can't be that far behind. And that's the big question, right? Like, what is this going to look like when all those guys come back? Because, I mean, you know, with, obviously with THJ and Bullock, you know, their offensive struggles and with THJ's defensive struggles and with Luca's, you know, 
not having the, you know the same season he was having in this first you know two or three seasons in the league, uh, you just wonder like, are they going to go back to playing the same kind of uninspired basketball we'd seen before this all happened? And that's the question, and I don't know the answer to it uh, because a lot of these guys make a lot of money, uh, and sometimes you know you hate to say it, but that sometimes is you know sometimes that that talks and makes decisions. Uh, even if you don't want it to, like, I just like, as much as I would love for the Mavericks, like to, you know, thank you for your service to Hardaway Jr. But I I've seen enough and, and I like what the team's doing now. Like, I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to do that. They're not going to send him, send them to the phantom zone. Like I, I just can't believe that these guys are, are, are not going to come back and, and play their, their regular minutes. And like, like, I just can't see Josh green getting another 25, 26 minute night when all these guys come back. So uh, but it'll be interesting to see if the performance dips. Like, if the performance dips, I mean, you would think the coaching staff has to take a look at it, but that might be more of a, a cross, this bri- cross that bridge when we get to it. But yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. I mean, that sort of thing, for what we've seen these last several games, is I think speaks to the fact, and I, I don't want to, like, there's no real gloating about this. This is called having eyeballs and not being married to players that you've had for years. But, like, mixing up some of the athleticism, and really playing guys that have a different energy is just something we've been clamoring for for two years. And so I think instead of specific players that are in this group now, what we've seen is that the Mavericks probably at some level have to recognize that they need to make some changes, maybe not immediately. I think COVID gives them plenty of cover. But what we've seen is that they they figured out that they have to they, they're going to have to change something up. So I just don't know when or what that will be. Yeah, it just seems crazy to me if they just go back to what they were doing uh, before this all happened. And, like, if they start – if they lose, like, a couple of games when Luka and all these guys come back and, and THJ shooting terribly and Bullock misses a million threes, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, we just – they they just won two – they've won two games without – you know, in this, in this crazy COVID stretch. And then the two games they lost were single-digit fourth quarter – close losses to two of the best teams in the league so like if they go if they come out of this and go back to normal and we're back to like the kind of same uninspired you know level of play that they were giving before this COVID stuff happened it just it just kind of feels it'll feel a little maddening if they if they really don't try to do some sort of shake-up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so, well we've talked for a while <laughs> This is exactly what I had wanted. I think we we covered all the bases. Um, let's see here, schedule wise, what's happening? I'm going to do a green room. Probably not going to be a long one because I got to drive back to Texas in the morning. We got the New Year's Eve game, um, which is God, the, like the the days and stuff are starting to throw me off. Is there one more game before New Year's Eve? There might be. Yes, they put, they play Wednesday. So today's Wednesday Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they play the Kings back-to-back. That's what it is. That's what threw me off. So we'll cover one Kings game, and then we'll cover another Kings game. Um, (laughs) The first one's a late game, which is ass, and then the second one is a relatively mid-afternoon-y game uh, to send you off into uh, an evening uh, for for 2022. Um, I don't really have anything else I want to comment on. Our site's kind of continuing to pump out work, even though I don't expect anybody to write anything because it's kind of the holidays, but um, it looks like we're going to have a couple of posts for you up on the site tomorrow, and we'll see where we go with things. Uh, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe, Mavs Moneyball After Dark, and we will talk to you in a few days.